0: Okay, welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic noveling, comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed. Uh, now I'm the, a contributing editor of Publishers Weekly. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we have a, a great interview for you uh, today. Uh, listeners, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, Levi Hastings and Josh Trujillo, authors of Washington's Gay General: The Legends and Loves of Baron von Steuben. It's from Sh- uh, Shirley Books. Abrams, uh, Abrams Comics Art, an imprint of Abrams Comics Art. Um, uh, 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 Josh and Levi, thank you so much for being on. More to come. Oh, of Thanks course, for us. You for yeah. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I think our readers know. Obviously, from the, the from the the title of the book, it's is, uh you know obviously a look at. A what I would call a little-known figure, and I will can talk a little bit more about that. Um, a Washington, this is a gay general in the 1700s, um, and to use uh, the words from the book, uh, he, just, he was flamboyantly gay, uh, and uh, probably the, the probably the most important. Um, military figure in American history. Uh, an interesting combination there that I think we wouldn't have expected. I love the book, um, uh, both for its use of history, uh, um, its, its work as a biography, with, which seems to have great research. And of course your own, uh, how you structure the book is a kind of conversation between um, uh, two periods in history, and and your own uh, lives as gay men. So uh, now, is, is that a good summation? And I'd love to
1: hear uh, you talk about uh, what this book is. Yeah, uh, I thought that was beautiful, actually. It beat me. But um, so uh, uh, Wil- Frederick Wilhelm August Heinrich Ferdinand von Steuben yes. uh, <laughs> was a baron from Prussia. He was a Prussian general, and he fought in the Seven Years' War. And like we said, he was flamboyant uh he dressed in adorned in medals he had love affairs with his younger recruits. he was chased out of Europe on sodomy charges he um he had he was probably in a thrupple he had underwear parties with his recruits but most importantly at least to America, he was brilliant a brilliant strategist, a brilliant military tactician and he kind of taught our citizen army how to compete with the British who were the the biggest military force in the world at the time. Uh,
0: it's, it's really an incredible story. Uh, but before we get deeper into the book, I do want, I'd love for both of you to talk a little bit, uh, about, about yourselves and your background, uh, as comics artists and writers.
2: Um, sure. I'll I'll go ahead. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, this is Levi here. Um, I'm an illustrator by trade and background. Um, I do, you know, I've I've worked uh, I've worked in a lot of editorial spaces, like you know, magazines and a lot of websites, uh, some television, and um, more recently, children's books. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely I think I got my start um, on my publishing journey by doing comics, you know, mini comics, starting doing comics conventions and getting to know a lot of people there. That's where I met Josh. We met at Emerald City Comic Con several years ago, uh, essentially, you know, tabling next to each other. And then we, we you know, had sort of known each other online, but um, met in person and really hit it off. And I think our, our shared love of history and particularly esoteric kind of historic curiosities really got us, um, really brought us closer together um and we you know we started with a, a sort of you know a whimsical uh revolutionary war romance idea that um we we wanted to make something together and we were both intrigued by making a romance comic set during the the American revolution uh so we did this little like eight page comic together and uh you know we we sold uh, originally we sold it at Flamecon we we were coming to Flamecon i think i don't want i want to say like 2016 Um, Mm -hmm. and people were, people really responded to it. And so every time we would do a convention, we would, we would have this little like eight page comic, uh, that people were really excited for more. And so this was uh, fiction. This was initially fiction. This was fiction. Yeah. Yeah. This was Mm -hmm. fictional. Um, yeah, we, we were just sort of like trying to sort of, uh, I think, um, you know, make our, you know, I don't know, maybe Josh, you want to take it over from here, uh, to describe Yeah.
1: So we had a, we had a fictional romance and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was a real, uh, It was a bit of a hit for us. We weren't anticipating the response. It got some notice in some websites and Entertainment Weekly. And when we started to table at conventions, people would come up to us and they'd say, you have to do a comic about Baron von Steuben. And we said, that's awesome. Who's Baron von Steuben? (laughs) Well, that so, would been my response as well. <laughs> so it, it really led us down this deep dive of American revolutionary history. We ended up publishing a short comic about the, him on nib.com and we oh. did not anticipate it to blow up the way that it did. Just millions of viewers in the, a short amount of time and just a huge overwhelming response. We always sold out of it when we took it to conventions. And so we caught the eye of uh, uh, comic arts at Abram's and we eventually got folded into their Shirley line for LGBTQ books. Um, so we're really pr- proud. We are uh one of the first books announced, and these things do not come quickly. So a few years later, we finally have a, you know, a baby book here. And and now you are I are you, you you are basically a writer artist team. Uh yeah. You but I want to tell say us a
0: little that, bit
1: about your background. Sure. Um, you know, uh this is Josh Trujillo here. I'm a writer. I work in video games as well, but um You know, I kind of come from an area of comics as far away from nonfiction, historical comics as you can get. I write for Marvel and DC Comics. I co-created a character named Aaron Fisher, who's the gay Captain America. That's kind of a patriotic tie to Von Steuben, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I do all sorts of varied things, children's books, uh, more, more queer romances. And this really has my heart. Levi and I, like he said, huge history buffs. Love learning about queer history, and that's something that's really kind of come into focus within our own community. I'd say in the past ten years, you know, we're not alone in kind of uh, beating the drum and trying to draw more attention to these forgotten figures. So, I mean, so you
0: started to tell us a little bit about uh, Baron von Steuben, um, but 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 you obviously, I'd I'd love to know in more in more detail. Uh, maybe you can give us a look at the, the beginnings of his life. But really, of course, uh, I'm fascinated and was fascinated in the book by, uh, I mean, how do you even come up with a concept of the life of a gay man and gay life in general in the 1700s? Yeah, um,
1: it was definitely uh, an interesting uh, way to research it. There's a lot of pushback um, within the historical community about his sexuality But as queer people, we know how to read between the lines and see what we see, what we see. Um, And so he started off as kind of a a working class uh, soldier. He lied about his age to get into the military. He's always been drawn towards military service. And more importantly, I think, glory and that kind of idea of legacy. Um, So he was really uh, a brilliant tactician, but also a brilliant uh, suck up. He really used to write flattering letters to any superior officer he could get the attention of. He would just write this beautiful poetry and he'd often lie about his his own rank in the military when he wrote it. So he'd say, oh, I'm a Lieutenant General. Actually, I'm a general. Actually, I'm a, and this would go on and on and on. And he's a real example of kind of faking it until you make it. Um, he was injured in, uh, in, in, uh, in battle and he learned from uh, a, a general there kind of about uh strategy and warfare and at the time as you know you know battles were 10 by 10 flanks of men who would fire pistols each, you know rifles at each other very slowly and not just kind of what military warfare looked at like at the time but uh von steuben was trained kind of by these brilliant tacticians including frederick the great about kind of smaller tactical teams so you kind of think about um like a, a guerrilla force or something, von Steuben was really on the cutting edge of that kind of military strategy. Um, but at the same time, you know, he lived, like we said, a flamboyant life uh, in terms of his his love of, like, finer things, fancy, fancy clothes. He adorned himself with medals that he paid for himself. Uh, so he I mean, like is this said, some early form of drag or, I mean, you know, this is... <laughs>
2: Potentially, yeah. I mean in a no way, it is, it is very it's it's military drag, right? Yes, he's yes. like he's he's obsessed with the with the the baubles and the awards and the epaulettes and the and the, the frills and bells and whistles for sure. And yeah, so
0: fairly open, it seems. Uh I'm, I'm just uh, from my reaction to the book, I mean he certainly had a series of lovers that were very powerful, uh it seems in many cases. Um even though there's obviously a larger story around that.
1: Yeah. Something we explore in the book is, you know, we do talk about obviously his military service in the United States, but his life in Prussia was so much uh, a big factor leading into that. He, like I said, he trained with brilliant tacticians, including uh, Frederick the Great, Frederick's brother, Henry. And, you know, those were queer figures in their own right. And so we get to kind of explore how Von Steuben's life kind of interweaves with what, uh, what homosexuality looked like in that era and so it's really interesting to kind of dig into what the social uh construct of that was like because our definition of love and marriage and sexuality and gender are so different than they were 250 years ago
0: and 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 i I think think, certainly at one point in the book you uh you look into the historic the derivation of the term homosexual i mean i think to sort of uh define how how do you talk about a historical figure like that um i mean he could have been put to death even though he seemed to operate um fairly openly
2: yeah well and like a lot of um like so many things at the time and and you know certainly true to this day a lot of a lot of these uh privileges have to do with class and who you know And are you close to power? And, um, you know, do you have friends who will protect you? And I think, um, you know, in a lot of ways, his story is sort of one of, you know, he's, he's a social climber, right? He's a striver. And so he was always trying to be closer, closer to these, to these, you know, figures of power, both I think for social access and also, you know, the, the sort of the cachet that they brought. Um, But, I mean, mo- almost certainly from the protection they provided as well, and it, it sort of like as soon as he fell out of favor with them for for any number of reasons, his his uh you know his safety net essentially fell out from under him, which is um essentially why he had to flee to America.
0: Well, before we get to that, I do want to ask, I do want to actually talk talk with you, uh, Levi, about the character design, the art uh it's very interesting yeah you have a very interesting uh drawing style that that it seems to range between a very naturalistic you know representational style but it can it can it can morph to caricature and more cartooniness when necessary because there is or of course humor and other aspects in the book too so can you talk a little bit about that about um about bringing the, the story to life visually
2: yeah, um it was uh first of all a really fun project overall. Um obviously a lot of work, but there's uh there's so much uh just sort of visual uh there's there's sort of a, a, a visual feast for me to like play with, right? With all of these 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 elaborate military, you know, clothing, battles, horses, um yes, you yeah. know, that that part was a lot of fun. Um but yeah, you know, in in terms of the style that's something that I've had to really um You know, kind of retrain my brain around making comics versus, you know, sort of a standalone illustration where, you know, comics really have to flow. They're really that you have to read them. And so, you know, the, the, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of artists um, that, you know, that I know, like the, the challenge is always, you know, we, we want to make every image, every panel as beautiful as possible. Um, But sometimes it can be, as a reader, it can be a little bit, things can feel dense and it can slow the story down if you've, you know, if you're packing every panel with like glorious detail, it can be incredibly hard to read and the story doesn't flow as easily. And so for me, I was really trying to kind of strike a balance between visually arresting imagery and imagery that would sort of, you know, be fun to read and want to make you keep going, That you wouldn't necessarily, you know, with with, with a few exceptions, right? You kind of, it's like a pacing issue and you want to have, you know, a few pages here and there, like some beautiful splash pages where you, your eyes linger and you kind of, you soak in the battle scene or you soak in the, you know, the elaborate, you know, the dinner party, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, But for the, for the most part, like, you know, I kind of want to keep the reader moving. And, and I think, you know, to like, that's, that's what I love about Josh's writing as well. Like he has this like really playful uh, he has this sort of soft touch when it comes to his writing in the sense that like, it's very conversational, right? We don't want to write this big stuffy, like, academic history book we're trying to tell a fun adventure story that you know with with all the romance and the drama and the scandal and so um I think we really wanted it to be kind of like a fun read and so I think for my, my mission was to sort of create artwork that was you know beautiful and engaging but also kind of kept uh kept the story moving
0: mm-hmm. and uh so good good point Josh uh there is a conversational tone. In fact, as I was saying earlier, there is a conversation almost between his, you know, uh, between historical periods. So, um, and of course, one of the key aspects of the book, have you mentioned, is man uh, to throw, I guess, a spotlight on the difficulty of actually finding queer he- uh, heroes in history. Uh, indeed, there's suppression, I guess, in many cases. So, can you? Well, so uh, what kind of research did you do? Where where did the you know the the body of work that was enabled you to to create this both on the uh the writing and the drawing come from?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it was not easy. We were writing the book uh, you know, while the world was shut down. Yeah. And uh, you know, we live on the West Coast, so we were as far away from some of these sites, but it's okay because we're writing about a different time and a different era. Um, in terms of research, so much of it was widely available. Von Mm -hmm. Stubin himself is a fairly well-known figure in military history circles, but no book ever seriously kind of tackled this question of his sexuality. Uh And so I was able to rely on a lot of that for kind of the day and date of history. And then beyond that, there were some really fascinating um, articles I read from university presses and things like that, kind of about homosexuality in Prussia, Mm -hmm. homosexuality in early America. And obviously we dive into all sorts of other subjects like George Washington's Great Sins, and a lot of these other kind of tertiary queer figures who lived in that era as well. Um, So it was a real deep dive for me. It's a lot harder than writing a a Rick and Morty comic or something like that.
0: There you go. Maybe a bit more research. Yeah. um, Yeah, so yeah, so let's get back to, uh, Well, Steuben is described and you describe him as one of the most important military figures and I, I hope I've got that quote right, in the history of the, uh, the U.S. So how, first of all, how did he get recruited to do this? I mean, he's obviously, in, in Europe, he, he he's admired to some extent for his military uh, ability and his accomplishments, although obviously he has some ups and downs. So tell us more about that, the period. How did he end up uh, um, Washington's
1: uh um, gay general uh so uh you know the seven years war had ended and von Steuben was kind of left uh without a war to fight in basically yeah, exactly. and so he accepted a cushy job as a grand marshal for basically this this uh small kingdom out uh outside of Germany or what's now Germany mm-hmm. and so he did that for about I think about 10 years and he was getting really Bored, it seemed to to that degree. He wanted something more for himself. You know, being a great general wasn't enough for von Steuben. He wanted to live in the history books. Hmm. Um, but he ran afoul of of the the kind of the the castle's resident priest, and there was a lot of charges lobbied against von Steuben, including sodomy. And hmm. so he kind of fled and went on tour in Europe, just going to uh, familiar faces and friends, until ultimately it was kind of decided that the best thing for him was to help the American military effort. And there's a lot of speculation about how involved France was in that recruitment. But what we do know is that Benjamin Franklin himself was really responsible for that that recruitment drive as well, um, who is uh, no stranger to uh, controversy, but you know he wrote letters to George Washington personally, kind of talking up the virtues of von Steuben's military service and ignoring any of the scandal. Uh, And so from there, he kind of ended up uh, going to the United States. But it wasn't necessarily an easy choice because he wasn't a formal military officer for the United States. If he was discovered crossing uh, the Atlantic by the British, he would have been executed on site. He had no such protections that other military figures would have at the time. So it was a very daring adventure for him to get to America at all and even then when he arrived the the revolution was a bit of a disaster until people like him started to really galvanize the war effort yeah i yeah, i'm going to of jump in because i mean uh, uh from my own reading of the book i mean
0: the he he was not going into a situation that he was used to where you've got a trained military um i mean uh, uh, tell us a little bit more and 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 um please leave my jump in too because obviously uh, I mean, your depictions of all this, I mean, obviously, really uh, work the story. I mean, the scenes at say uh, what Valley Forge, in Valley
2: Forge, these, yeah,
0: incredibly memorable. Yeah. So, yeah, between the two of you, can you tell us a little bit about what what was the the condition of the Continental Army and the uh, and the, the thirteen colonies in their war against I guess one of the greatest powers of uh, uh, in Europe. <laughs>
2: I mean, it, you know, by all accounts, it was, it was, you know, very up and down and, and quite, quite in a bad condition when, when von Steuben arrived. Um, You know, I think because so many of so much of the continental army were citizen soldiers, right. You know, not necessarily trained in the military, a lot of, you know, farmers and, and craftspeople who were, you know, recruited and or volunteered. Um, And so the, just, just, there was, there was, there was no consistency, it seemed like across, across the board. And, so, you know, that was essentially Von Steuben's great task and mission was to, you know, create create a sort of a set of standards by which, you know, you could you could train large groups of people to to become a fighting force. So not, not only not only that, but but then, you know, um, you know, start to incorporate those guerrilla tactics that he had been so um that had been so innovative and so innovative and so successful during the Seven Years War in Prussia. So um I think I think both, you know, when you consider all of the the infusion of, you know, capital coming from France, um, and the expertise they were, incorpor- they, were they were importing from, you know, von Stupin and others, it just like they we really needed kind of like America is definitely not um, you know, we couldn't have done it alone. And yeah. I think that's that, that often gets forgotten. Uh, in in the in the telling of of the American Revolution, like we depended quite heavily on the the um, the help from our friends. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, you know, von Steuben's big accomplishment, which we talk about quite a bit in the book, is the creation of the blue book training manual. And so this was just a, a regimented d- description of how to maintain camp, how to build supply lines, how to be a military. Because, like Levi said, the, a lot of these people you know, came from different backgrounds, farming, craftspeople, a lot of them were illiterate. And, you know, when von Steuben got to Valley Forge, people were starving, people didn't have uniforms, soldiers would take rations and just take them home with them. And so it was complete chaos until really, he started to build up the discipline. And he had the eye of George Washington the entire time, who was very impressed with what von Steuben was bringing. Uh, Something also to mention, you know, he wrote the most important uh, book and military history in the United States but he didn't speak English he yes, had I, want, I, was I was about to ask you about someone. that yes go yes <laughs> uh he had to work through a you know a series of interpreters and and some spe- we speculate lovers and yes well I, go
0: on now because I want to ask you about that because the, obviously he had some I don't know acolytes partners lovers um uh but go on
1: <laughs> no that's absolutely that's, that's absolutely it I think uh you know People would be surprised to learn that the founding document of our American military was written by a bunch of homosexuals, <laughs> and and it, it, we still use that book today. At West Point, the book is still taught. For example, you mm-hmm. can buy it on Amazon right now. It's been in print for 250 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what and it's just amazing, of course, that this
0: army uh, did not even have a basic uh, you know, basic reference to, uh, to anything. Um, I do want to mention also, uh, you talk about the book and I think, um, Levi mentioned earlier classism, uh, the schism between the officer class and the soldiers, uh, which he was able to bridge.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that was another one of his great talents, um, aside from the military, um, you know, the, 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 sort of the tactical military stuff, he was obviously a very charismatic person and was always able to, you know, win people over in whatever it seemed seemingly in whatever, uh, sort of environment he found himself. He seemed to be able to just have that ability to like bring people together and, and make them, you know, you know, I, for, you know, in some cases fall in love with him, it seems like, or, or just in other ways, just to kind of follow his lead, you know? Uh, so he, he, somehow managed to have, you know, develop a really strong kind of camaraderie with, with the men he was training, which I would argue is probably why, you know, uh, probably went, you know, a long way to actually getting them to follow his orders, Um, obviously through, you know, his various interpreters. But um, I think he seemed to be a very likable person. Um, So I think his charisma got him quite a long way.
0: And you should also uh, talk a little bit. I mean, he, he basically got screwed by the uh, uh, the Continental Congress. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he money seemed to be an issue for him throughout his life, even when he is basically creating the basis for the American
1: army.
2: You yeah. Know? I. Oh, sorry, Josh.
1: No, um, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, He's not the first or the last person to kind of get screwed over by Congress in terms of getting (laughs) paid.
2: Um,
1: But, you know, he uh, he came uh, here with the promise that he would be paid and they said, oh, we'll pay you later. You know, we'll pay you if we win. And then then it became we'll pay you and give you the rank of inspector general if you finish this training document. And then when it came to collect, Congress was not interested. There was a real kind of uh, t- tide turning against uh, immigrants who came to the United States, against people who are considered foreigners or outsiders. They didn't want him in a higher rank than that. He, you know, he was considered briefly to be uh, in charge of what the secretary of war and that never came to fruition largely because of this, this bias that the other founding fathers had.
0: Uh, great. Yeah, I'm just looking over my questions here. Um, so, um, excuse me, <laughs> I kind of lost my way here. Um, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about these subordinates. Oh, and you know, another thing I want to ask you, because in the book, you do try to give context to this. Uh, obviously this uh, this is a figure that you want to bring out. Uh, he's a, he is a, he, He's an inspirational figure. Um, But you do talk about, he's a man of his times. Um, And he worked for men of their times. And you talk a little bit about uh, uh, his interaction or Washington's interactions with indigenous people, which we know a bit about. Uh, There was slavery. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, uh, there was classism. He was able to bridge
1: some gaps, but others, he, he was a man of his time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the goal of this book was not necessarily to raise him on any sort of pantheon or make a hero out of him. It's just to show him as a real figure, as a real person who lived through these difficult times. You know, we know that von Steuben had at least one slave. We know that he was completely complicit to kind of the horrors of what were happening to indigenous people as well. And that all has to be like taken into account. You know, we are we're not uh, though his name is in the title. George Washington does not get it, get off easy in this book at all. Um, and I think that was important for us to kind of show uh, the reality of the situation, what the times were like, and also kind of like Von Steuben's faults as well as, as his victories. And
0: I'm also, uh, I'd love to hear you talk more about, I mean, there are a number of uh, figures, uh, subordinates, partners, uh lovers um, that show up throughout this book and and that are very important. Uh, you talk about the language issue um he apparently never spoke English um what he had to do to write the blue book that you talk about. So maybe you could talk about, uh, maybe go down the list particularly uh, uh, like North and Walker um, and uh, and others, particularly on the American side that were kind of instrumental to his success and actually uh, for his life later on.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, William North and Benjamin Walker were two uh, soldiers that kind of fell into his like cult, von Steuben's cult of personality person, I guess you'd call it. And they were really essential during Valley Forge mm-hmm. and also afterwards for the rest of his life. Really, they maintained very close friendships. They lived together at several points Um and these were these were much younger men. Von Steuben was in his 50s when he came to the United States. These men were, you know, 20 at best. Mm. And so there was a real gap there. But they still found some sort of com- camaraderie together, some commonality that really made them attracted towards one another. Um, you know, uh, well, they recognized
0: his brilliance, of course, as well. But no, obviously
1: there was. Right. A... Yeah. And they well, go. Think... to. Oh, I'm sorry, please. Yeah. Please, oh, no. But- no. No.
2: And, yeah. and and I was just, I was just going to jump in and say I think you know in in the way that von Steuben earlier was sort of a social climber and you know looking up to and sucking up to his sort of military superiors you know there one could make the argument that both North and Walker could also have been playing the same game or a similar yeah. game. Sure. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily to say that that's like you know, it doesn't have to be an either-or situation, right? It could be a both-and. Like, they may have been very much, you know, there clearly was enough of, a, of an affection for for Von Steuben to, like, like it, it, it lasted throughout their lives. But, like, they were also, you know, particu- they were also advancing their careers by doing so. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, it's sort of a situation where they're getting, you know, they're getting it both ways.
1: Yeah, and the, the three of them, uh, North, Walker, and Von Steuben, you know, they really are... And they're really linked forever, even outside um, Washington, D.C., outside of the White House. There's a beautiful statue of von Steuben that was erected, and it has a plaque mentioning North and Walker as well. And, you know, that for me is evidence beyond all others of how close these ties were between these men and how it was more than just a standard soldier general situation. And they were all, also significant figures in New
0: York state politics. And, uh is that
1: yeah, um, uh, I believe it's Walker Street in Manhattan. Yeah, that Walker Street's named that. Was he a senator
0: yeah. or
2: a North, or was it North? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I always get it mixed he, uh, up. Let's see. I have the book in front of me right now. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Benjamin, <laughs> That's so okay. Benjamin Walker eventually became a congressional representative fra- of New York. Oh, so he was he was a representative. And um, let's see. I can't remember. Um he became a senator. Oh, yeah. So North became a senator. Walker was a representative. So they both served in Congress after, um, you know, after their time in the military. And um, it should be said then-
1: that both of them married and had children of their own. Um, North, I believe, named two of his children after von Steuben uh, as well. And, and and even though he was
0: unable, uh, I mean, until very, very late to to get Congress to, uh, you know, you know, to, to give him, you know, give him the kind of both the recognition and, the, you know, the uh, recompensation that he deserved. Uh, th- now, did he have popular, was there a popular acknowledgement uh, at, at, during his life of his contribution to, uh, you know, a, a,
1: American independence? Oh, gosh, I would say arguably not as much as he deserved. You know, a lot of the founding fathers were kind of trotted around the country, giving speeches and things like that. He was included, certainly. He actually was uh, pretty devoted to uh, charitable causes in the church. He could not put two pennies together for himself, but when it came to these causes, he was really quite animated and trying to help others, which I always found very benevolent of him and very humanizing. But, you know, at the same time, he's doing these these grand dinners where he's the guest of honor. He's sleeping in basically like a flop house with 10 other soldiers yeah uh-huh. wow uh, it's really kind of extraordinary um uh um uh,
0: but you did mention the statue that's in washington d c uh- and and and, and I think the book mentions what's stupid you know towns that, that, that some some local municipalities had erected some uh monuments
1: to them um, yeah, there's uh, I think there's a Steuben County. I want to say it's in Virginia. There's Steubenville's, and then every year German Americans celebrate Von Steuben Day, oh, um, where you. they celebrate his military accomplishments. Although, you know, it kind of these things devolve into drinking holidays after a certain amount of time. Yeah,
2: and it's I, really I, it's really more of an excuse to drink and throw a parade, probably. Yeah, but, and I, um, I
0: suspect they're not um, acknowledging, uh, you know, uh, his sexuality.
2: No,
1: no, absolutely not. not,
0: and or political implications of it. You at different parts of the book, you do invoke other characters, women, and the like uh, that uh, live through uh, different periods of history. I guess around the same time. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Because you kind of brought the different ways that the LGBTQ community um uh did what they had to do. The you know, I guess their own version of uh uh don't ask, don't tell.
2: Yeah, I mean I think uh you know Josh found a lot of these great characters mm-hmm. uh that you know I think are you know they're very much like marginal sort of you know footnotes of history but like that you know you kind of dig deeper and you're like, oh you know, you realize you know, kind of how remarkable um, their living situations were outside of the the social norms of the time. Um, You know, particularly Charity Bryant and Sylvia Drake, who uh, were the seamstresses that we discuss, Mm -hmm. who, you know, essentially lived, um, you know, cohabitated as, you know, quote-unquote roommates for many decades. And it was sort of well-assumed, you know, just across their families and in the community that they lived in, that they were, you know... I wouldn't, I don't know that they were acknowledged as a romantic couple, but they were, you know, they were buried together. Um, And so there were, there were these sort of these, these small moments of, you know, kind of, you see these, you see evidence of of these, these queer lives that are lived are lived sort of as fully as they could be given, given the, given the time, you know, and then we have, um, you know, the public universal friend who, you know, was a, a sort of non-binary, um, you know, heroine hero. Um, I don't know. I don't even know how you would say that, how how you would gender a hero, but, um, uh, yeah, very fascinating, a fascinating character who, you know, ended up kind of leading a religious movement at the time and, you know, kind of, you know, getting really involved in the abolitionist movement. Um, so it's, 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 um, we didn't, we didn't quite find enough to kind of like you know a lot of a lot of these characters that there's you just sort of have these scraps of scraps of material scraps of you know primary sources and so um sometimes it's it's hard to imagine like writing a full book about them, but we really wanted to contextualize the time, and you know i mean it it was very apparent you know the whole time we're 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 writing about a bunch of you know white men you know and and we're just like how do we how do we kind of like, we, we need to bring in more people and, and there, you know, the more, the more we look, the more we found. And um, so that part was actually really exciting when you, when you find more of these characters um, who were living at the time and it, it just, it kind of makes you just want to find more and more of them. And, you know, and you, you know, I think always in the back of, of our minds is the, is the reality that, that we know there were more of them and, and countless others whose, whose lives just, there's no evidence of them anymore, right? Whatever evidence there was, whatever letters there were, have all been destroyed either by their families or, you know, you know, the passage of time. Um, you know, just so many, so many queer lives that will never be known because uh, we simply don't have um, any sources for them.
0: Yeah. Well, we seem to be living in a time now where there's just uh, uh, there's a realization that the record is missing something, and artists like yourselves. Uh, are actually helping people to, to understand and get for us all to get a a more complete picture of, of history and the le- historical legacy legacy that we all live on so uh boy Washington's gay general is right in there so uh, you know congrats on the book um uh, you I, I, I mean I know you're just you're, this book has just come out and you're promoting that um, uh, yeah. Is there more for you to do in this area of recreating history and comments? Oh, I think
2: absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. We just had a
1: meeting yesterday about that. Ah. So um our you know, we we hope to keep telling stories like this about these kind of uh messy gays of the past uh yeah. for as long as we can. <laughs> I love it. is that a series right there, messy
0: gays of the past?
2: Yeah, we're trying to come <laughs> up with a good series title, but essentially that, yeah. Sounds um, good.
0: Uh, well, look. I want to tell everybody. Look, I, uh, this is great. But feel free to jump in. Is something I didn't ask that you, uh, that you really want to
1: want to talk about? Please speak right up. No, no. I guess the big thing is like you know we're not alone in try- trying to reclaim history for uh, you know marginalized voices, and you know this book is really dedicated to all the people that have whose stories have been forgotten over the years, and also I think to the people who've kept these stories going. We mentioned the USC One Archives, which is the largest Mm -hmm. uh, LGBTQ archive in the United Mm -hmm. States. And there's so many other small organizations, especially in terms of uh, East Coast, you know, Revolutionary War history that we really owe a lot to. And so I just like, just look around, you know, I even talk about in the book, I have, I have a my grandma had an uncle who was gay, and I don't know anything about this person, their life has been completely erased from history.
0: Well, hopefully we're, we're heading into a future where we can try to reclaim stuff. And of course, a whole new generation of memoirists, historians, uh, you know, that uh, will try to, you know, will we'll be addressing this, you know, for future generations. So look, look this has been really great uh, to talk to the both of you. It's really a tremendous book. Um, uh, Levi Hastings, Josh Tru- 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 Trujillo. Um, the book is Washington's Gay General the legends and loves of Baron von Steuben from Shirley Books. Uh, it's been great to talk to you. And thank you so much for being on More to Come.
2: Thank you so much for having oh, us. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you.